0: We're recording this just before we record or have a go at recording the second of these. Um but there's something we realize that we've completely forgot to do. Um well there's two things we forgot to do. One is to acknowledge where we're recording this. So we're not we're not a startup, we're not a, a division of a publishing company, we're not actually I work for an academic academic institution, but we're not representing that. We're sat in my kitchen. Yeah. Um and that means the acoustics are gonna be odd and you're gonna sound like you're in a kitchen. And at some point mm-hmm. we might do one of these in the study, because I have a study. Yeah.
1: And and that one will sound like we're in a study and not in a studio because uh, it we we will be in the study. We'll be in a study. But yeah, but, but
0: just, I think it's just it's an admission and a kind of acknowledgement that this is two people talking over a kitchen table and mm-hmm. trying to put some things into some kind of semi Listenable. I won't say permanent form, but a listenable form that makes sense. But the thing that we did forget to do was actually introduce ourselves. So we're gonna we're gonna bolt this bit on to the front of the first one. Although Bolger might edit that out because it will make no sense when you do it. Um, I but,
1: might keep it in just to make you sound like a crazy person,
0: like a completely crazy person. <laughs> yes, um, but I think you should go first.
1: Oh, oh fuck. I think we can, uh, you know, um, we can forget about this being a um, family-friendly show already. Um, Yes, um, my name is my name is Baldur Bjarnason, um, or if you want to pronounce that the Icelandic way, Baldur Bjarnason. Um, You're never going to get that right, not unless you're raised in Iceland. Um, And how do I introduce myself? That's bloody hell.
0: um, what is it you do, and why are you doing this?
1: Well, I'm, well, I make ebooks, uh, or basically I make systems that make ebooks. Um, that's what I do at the moment. Um, but generally speaking, the, if we want to pull back a bit and talk about more of what what I do uh, as a, a you know, in capital words is that I, um, I try to figure out better ways for people to make digital things. Um, that's basically my goal. Uh, I used to be in web development, and that meant working with content management systems and helping people figure out better ways of making their websites. Now I'm uh, working for um, in the publishing industry for publishing people and uh, trying to figure out better ways for them to make their things. Um, and, you know, uh, I've got a scary, like Tom, I've got a scary long history of, of actually working on these things. Being middle-aged and having spent twenty years working, uh, uh, wor- uh, working sort of in, in this field and, rela- and related to this field, it means that I'd probably, um, yeah, I sort of. Uh, if uh, if I sound uh, sort of, I probably have have got, gotten beyond the Dun and Kruger uh, effect by now, probably about just about just yeah, just barely. Um, but it also means that we're quite aware of the fact that most of the things we're we're saying are going to be proven wrong at some point because. Everybody's wrong about
0: everything, really. <clears throat> on that note, being wrong about everything, really. Um, so, I'm Tom Abba. I'm an, my bio says I'm an academic and I'm a writer. Um, I'm an associate professor in art and design at the University of West of England in Bristol. I've, like Boulder, um, we've been working in this field or related bits of field for at least I think 15 years and probably going on longer. Yeah, i have been interested in kind of what this is and what this becomes. Um, I'm director of a company called Circumstance um, so co-director of a company called Circumstance who make experiences we, make, we deal with books, we work with books quite a lot and we're making some interesting things we think are interesting um, in sort of digital physical interaction and making small pieces with writers but mostly what we do is what we call a narrative of experience so often big public scale work that that borrows from literary form borrows from cinematic form but actually makes it something that feels like we made it just for you um, I'm a book designer um, I'm interested in the the tactility the, the physicality of the book and interested in where that goes and what we can do with it so yeah if that kind of does a little scene setting you can find us both on the web um, We both, the, webs. the intimate webs we both tweet he tweets more than I do I think um, people have
1: accused me of, of over tweeting
0: yes so Boulder is fake Boulder at on Twitter and I am Tom Abbott on Twitter but from there you will find other things that we tweet under and that we rescribe. and we've both got a, a varied web presence in a variety of ways okay so that was introductions and now we're going to stop this and you'll hear us at the beginning and then we'll go on to
1: number two so what are we supposed to call this goddamn thing <sighs> can I ask that maybe we should ask that again without some swearing
0: yeah.
1: no I think you should keep the swearing in yeah um, it's it's, uh, it's swear worthy swearing is for the audience I don't
0: know because you you proposed this as the first title, what do we call this? Um, <laughs> yeah, and although it seemed a little glib, the more I thought about it actually, you do have a real point because one of the bugbears of working in this particular bit of the field is that everybody talks about it as being the future of the book what do you it is a what do you call it thing everybody every subheading every sub thing on a title, everything starts with. X is the future of the book, Y is the future of the book, this is the future of publishing, this is... And one of the things that I think is completely true about that is that we have no idea what the future of the book is. <laughs> and we don't have a clue what the future of publishing is going to look like, other than I think you and I probably share a, maybe a preconception, maybe a, a devoted religious idea that it's not what it looks like now.
1: Yeah, but I, I think that's a very safe bet. It's sort of like, you know, um, pretty much the only uh, only um, really safe uh, bet that you can make about, the, about climate change is the fact that the weather will not be like it is now, and it won't be like it was when your grandparents were growing up.
0: But the trouble with doing that, and just to pick on, because I'm in a wordy mood today, to pick on kind of the metaphor of it's a safe bet is that, the thing with a bet is that you place odds on a horse or odds on an event happening. When that event happens, then there is there is a defined thing. There is a... That this horse won. Um, this person was elected to this post, this whatever else. And there's a date and a time attached to that. And you're absolutely right that a safe bet is that it won't look like it looks like now. But no one's ever going to pay us the money. <laughs> <laughs> because there is no defined point at which you're going to turn around in 2020 and go, well, that's obviously changed. And that's changed. So I think... That, I just just because I think dwelling on the name and dwelling on what we call it sounds self obsessive and sounds kind of so up our own up, You know, it's ridiculous. But on the other hand, there is a frame around that that that, that the, the what we call this thing um, does set a kind of tone as to what we're trying to do. Um, and for me, I think anything that talks about the future of the book of digital publishing is so riven with instantly the politics of it and instantly the inbuilt. Um, resistance because you are proposing that what people are doing is somehow wrong and I don't think that's what we're doing but we're trying to say that there is a, there is maybe another interesting way to do this there are yeah. other ways to think about this and the trouble it's it's the same argument which I'm sure we're going to get to at some point about <clears throat> interactive media and choose your own adventure see <sighs> podcast number 44 where yeah. rants for four hours but that becomes the conversation
1: yeah yeah now it's it i mean there are two things i uh pick well three things first note is that um you know for the those listeners on uh, out there um the knocks that you hear on a regular basis is Tom hammering the table for emphasis um you know it's not a bad thing it's sort of um uh, but you know it's without the visual reference it might it might you might not recognize it for what it is um but the the first uh, first response to that I have is uh, you know um, Nicholas Nassim Taleb, the, the very popular um, philosopher yeah. slash economist slash mm-hmm. investor, um, opinionator par excellence. Um, uh, I don't, you know, it's, he makes a lot. Of, uh, like most modern philosophers, they make uh, a lot of the points he makes are, are, you know, complete nonsense. A lot of them are, are exceedingly on point and relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one of the ones I like is that um, you can almost always. Trust. Uh, you you have more trust in the judgment of somebody who has skin in the game than somebody who doesn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so if if somebody's making prediction on how things go, you can usually trust their prediction more if you see that that's the way they bet their career. If the if the prediction pans out in a different way, mm. um, then they will ha- that will negatively impact the career. That, that if you look at a few, that's why a, future, a, a futurist yeah. is such an oxymoron. There are people who whose job it is to make predictions with no consequences, yeah. but a person who is um, they're working called, in a the field. They're, they're called analysts, aren't they? Yeah, analysts. Generally. Yeah, consultants, <laughs> analysts. Consultants, yeah. Um, but a person who's working in the field and say, you know, this is the way I think things are going, and they follow that uh, that up with actually making bets in terms of the mm. careers, the projects they choose to do yeah. in that in that area, then generally speaking, that is less of a bullshitty statement than the, the one you get from futurists. So in terms of this, I mean, if you look at what we're doing, um, on the one hand, you've been doing a lot of um, uh, the the projects that you've been doing with Duncan and Off Circumstance, which are, ex, you know, it, they are pretty much the definition of you know, pure off things that you can only do in digital. Mm. They, you know, they, they, there's no way you can get away with doing doing even even remotely what you what you what you've been doing just in in analog or just in something else. Um, at the same same way, I'm I'm betting pretty firmly on the idea of. Programming, programmability, mm. and development, and basically digital media, mm. and so it's sort of uh, in a ways that you know that's kind of the reason why we we like to uh, are, are struggling to uh, why it, why it's so important for us to try and figure out a decent name to frame this yeah. because mm-hmm. we're framing the, uh, we're, we're trying to put a label on where we're betting our what well, we're betting our careers on.
0: <laughs> so are.
1: it's like a <laughs> like a high stakes naming game. It's like you know well. Um, it sort of it's, it's, it's like the um, um, Klondike gold diggers trying to figure out, okay, what we're going to actually call this thing. Yeah. You know, and, and, it's, it, and if you end on gold rush and... Um,
0: well, that's true. And there are two things that come to mind. One is you're absolutely right. And what the, so I suppose one, on the one hand, what, one of the things, things this comes down to for us, and this is not what I'm saying, is, is do as we do, don't do as we say. <laughs> um, and I think you're absolutely right. One of the things that's defined yours and my... Kind of working relationship and friendship over the years is that we 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 disagree more than we agree a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But actually, when you get under the skin of disagreement, actually we're talking the same language. We're trying to figure something out that is that is complementary in a way, even though we might approach things differently and we might kind of get obsessed with something and, and run away. The other problem, and this is possibly this is more the Klondike thing and the Gold Rush is, um and it's also about futurism and it's also and this is something I used to talk to students a lot about is that it's. Okay, um, just run, bear with me here.
1: It's very postmodern to talk about postmodernism. <laughs> um, the sort of self-involved theory, uh, sort of theories is very is a, is pretty much a postmodern invention. It's a postmodern invention, and,
0: and yes. The early futurists called themselves the futurists. That um, all the, the the art movements of the early 20th century defined themselves and put a banner, put a kind of a manifesto around what they were doing, and started to say that. But
1: but they they defined themselves in in terms of of their work and in yeah. try to put labels on their actual yes. work. Mm-hmm. Postmodernism de- defines itself. Uh, it defines itself from basically from the discussion from yeah. the the. Uh, I, I, the, the, the it's a label of a kind of discourse rather than uh, an, an art form. It's very yeah, it's very hard
0: to say. It's very easy to say this is a postmodern piece of work, or this is a piece of work that exists in a postmodern context. But then when you try to actually define what that postmodern thing is, often what you're doing is describing something that's in opposition to something else, that it's fighting against something. And and you're completely right. That that the the modern the modernist art movements, modernist literary movements, define themselves by the work. They say, look, this is what I'm doing, this is I'm not the B.S. Johnson who did this, but this is this is a body of work that arises out of one man's career. This is Mark Supporters Composition Number One. This is X or Y or Z, and this, in some way, embodies a set of principles. Which I suppose, in that respect, are we talking about the avant-garde? Well,
1: oh, in terms of what we're doing or uh... I, I don't
0: I think it's 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 a weird label to apply to yourself it's a yeah. very it's a very kind of like I'm going to stand on the pedestal and go this is what we're doing it's avant Garden, it's so amazing and you're going to love it um, I think it's, I think but, it's
1: applicable in mm, terms of, of the work that you do
0: but, but but yeah I think that's very kind of you to say um, but I think maybe actually what we're interested in is defining that space for the book and publishing yeah. and the relationship between print and digital and what that might be is that I think we're less, maybe I'm less interested in in an absolute, in this is what it's going to be. Because my first reaction every time every someone asks me to talk about the future of publishing is to say, actually, you want to talk about a future. yeah This isn't the future. Yeah. This is a future. This is one of billions of possible futures of any possible doorway you could walk through and a way of dealing with your business or your practice or your writing, whatever those things might be. And it's not the future. And that that kind of acceptance that this is slippery and this is emotion and this is very hard to pin down I think is probably fundamental to what I'm interested in because it means that I can look excitingly at games. (laughs) I can look at other things and look at a whole set of things that I might not be very interested in making or even playing or taking more than I can have academic interest in but I'm interested in what's being done because it seems that they're kind of carving some territory out. They're doing something that is not satisfied with what's gone before that sees as a different way to do it, that sees that there is a way to work with story or with structure or with form or content, which is going to come again and again and again, or any of those things, but starts to define something new. And that for me is maybe not that I think what we do, what I do is avant-garde, but what I'm interested in, the, the work that gets me excited and interested and kind of inspired and sitting and having long conversations with people is the stuff that's consciously trying to do something new. That's trying to,
1: yeah, mm. yeah. No, I mean, it sort of, it strikes me as the same sort of relationship as you as you had with, especially in the sort of early days of the novel, that novelists had with poetry and drama. Mm. As in, they're clearly, clearly different things. I mean, it's yeah. it's sort of you can't, you know, a play is a different sort of um, experience from a novel and the yeah. poetry as well. But there's so much that novels could learn from it, like uh, the act structure of the play mm. um, as a form of controlling the sort of uh, the dramatic arc yeah. of, a, of yeah. a story, or just the pure wordplay of a, of poetry. Mm. And there's, there's the same sort of um, um, interaction between um, digital storytelling and games, mm. as in um, the games, the sort of ludology, the sort of interactive um, feedback loops that. Throw so, you sort of um, basically give you cues for what sort of response you're mm. supposed to have and what sort of action you're supposed to take. They it seems like uh, like me they are hints towards of something like the act structure of, yeah. of um, digital um, that digital um, children can learn from that in the same way that novelists learn from drama, but without wholesale going into the let's make a game because that if you go that route you end, end up discovering that. Probably the best way to do a game is to minimise story, and you know the story. The story can be can add a dimension to games, but there, it's never going to be the the thing, the point and purpose of a game. So, if you if you go that way, you you end up really. You it's like you know decided to do an, uh, to, to write a novel. And then studying drama to such an extent that you basically just trying to play.
0: I think that's yeah. I think you're right. I think before we go any further, <clears throat> we should apologise in case Naomi Alderman is listening. Um, <laughs> Naomi, um, I stand by nothing that Balder said. Um, I think you're brilliant. And, and whereas you and I may differ on some opinions, um, story, games are absolutely story and absolutely kind of ways. And no, because Naomi um, gave a keynote at um, Kate Collinger's conference Mix Three in Bath. Um, which I couldn't make. I, I spoke at it, but I couldn't make you Naomi's know, keynote. Um, that was labelled as, and I forget exactly what the title was, but it was it was Naomi's kind of stake or <clears throat> staking out a territory on this is what digital storytelling, interactive storytelling is. And when I read the notes and I read the slide deck and I looked back, absolutely Naomi talks about games because when Naomi's interested in where she comes from, and I think probably I'm more with you on digital storytelling using digital to tell stories and to think about what books might be and how we deal with that has an awful lot to learn from games Mm. but I probably don't put myself into camp that games are it games are the answer to all yeah. of this because it's it seems that they do they do games they do a, a game mechanic very well and absolutely games are story games have story yeah. in them. games uh, are It's just, uh, storied experiences um, yeah
1: but my point was more that it's it's more about the priorities is that yeah um mm. if a games author has a sit as a uh, ever is put in a situation where he needs to make a, an, a, a decision a design decision mm. Or of, of whether to that where it has two two choices, one choice is to penalise the story to get make a better gameplay feedback loop, mm-hmm. or to penalise the gameplay feedback loop to deliver a better story. They are almost always they're all if, if you're making a game, the right decision always is almost always going to be to, to slightly penalise story over the game.
0: That's probably true, and it's probably true. Because- in only that we're looking at this as binary oppositions, as so you can have one or the yeah. other. I think you can have both, and I think that um, we're going to get, one hopes we get letters, outraged emails, tweets, say, no, there is this, there is this, there is yeah. this. So I think that's absolutely And also, true. We've, um, we're,
1: it sort of, it's a bit hypocritical because uh, of me to use that, because uh, I've I've, I've you know, frequently railed against the off of, of um, using too many binary oppositions in our analysis anyway. Well,
0: absolutely, yeah. but, it, but My some, bad. You're bad, but at some point we've got to start, in the, <clears throat> this, the point of this, half hour 45 minutes whatever it's going to be is to try and define what we're going to call this damn thing that at some point we've got to start saying it's not this or it's this or it's this and maybe yeah I think where we are broadly is that games have a phenomenal amount to offer as ways of understanding engagement and ways Mm. of understanding how readers behave and how a reader might behave when confronted with a different form of a thing but yeah it's not that that's the answer that we're looking for um that we're looking for something else
1: so basically this is not a game oh don't <laughs> don't
0: don't just let's not have that phrase but that's just that you, there's some there's a, clax, there's a, there's a klaxon going to go off somewhere oh if yeah. that's it's like I was in the pervasive media studio that's the first mention for the PM studio hello Claire um the and I someone said transmedia and I had this little moment where there should be a klaxon going off every time someone <laughs> says transmedia or embodied gaming or something it's, it's, there's, there's, there are buzzwords and yet this is this is not a game um just has become one of those phrases that, um, that in terms of alternate reality gaming, became became something that it was never designed to be. It became a kind of way of describing an experience that was not that was not written in. I mean, okay, here's my take on it: that this is not a game becomes a a way of thinking about something that this is reality. This, yeah. is, this is somehow not a game. It's not removed from your everyday life. It is part of your life. And, and the reality of your experience in this three and a half months of ARG experience is that it's not a game because it's you. And my understanding, talking to Sean Stewart about this several years ago, is that actually that this is not a game thing because, arose because they didn't want to use game mechanics.
1: Oh, uh, okay. That's a bit of a self-inflicted handicap. Right? And they
0: wanted to make something that had more literary ambition, more story ambition. Mm. Um, obviously, you know, and yes, that comes back to the kind of binary problem that we just mentioned. But but then it becomes it's been adopted as a kind of mantra for the reality of it, the, the, the subsuming of everyday life in, or the game, into or the structure rather into into everyday life. And yes, anyway, so this yeah. is not a game. No, it's not a game. Um, but you did one of the reasons for doing this podcast however long we do them for um we could be like radio lab or in <laughs> mayo and go on forever and ever and ever and never stop or take holiday we take holidays and have someone else do it um <laughs> is that we have a book and we have a book that we have written that tries to set some of this down if not on paper in words that make sense in sentences and paragraphs and occasionally pages and um, one of the, the original title for that was this is not a book yeah. When we first drafted this out, and and you mentioned earlier, um, we sat there in a studio that we'll go nameless because we've already been mentioned already once, and with lots of sheets of paper and just did a kind of storyboard, sketchbook, skeleton of the whole thing, of how the whole thing might work. And it was called This Is Not A Book. Yeah. Um, and that title suited it for a long time in its kind of early versions and its kind of sort of... Proto gestation of where it was going to go. And I remember very clearly the email that when we, when we said, okay, now we're going to sit down and write it, and it has to be this thing, and it has to be whatever else, and this is how we're going to do it, hence now, um, that you completely reframed the title. Um, and you threw this title into the, the kind of email conversation, and it just went, actually, that makes a lot more sense. Um,
1: what was that again? What did I say? You're so clever. You I can't ca- remember. You, you said
0: it's not called This Is Not a Book, it's called This Is a Book, comma for Now.
1: Yeah, I remember now. actually I that. that that kind of
0: I don't believe in bolts out of the blue moments. Actually, I do believe in bolts out of the blue moments. They're brilliant. Um, <laughs> but it kind of okay. That's actually what we're trying to do. We're not trying, and this comes back to the my resistance to determining a future for anything. Yeah, and, and preferring to think about. The present or where the present can go and the present in five minutes, 15 minutes, two years, whatever else it might be. They're saying actually what we're interested what what that book is fundamentally interested in is trying to describe a landscape and trying to do some mapping and do some, hopefully we hope, some useful mapping and some useful architecture around which you can build your response, your business, your career, your writing, your design—whatever those things might be—we're saying this is the things that we understand. These are the things that we keep talking about, and let's put them down. But it, it made a lot more sense to say this is a book for now, yeah. Rather in all of it, those double meanings, or triple meanings, rather than say this is not a book. which it yeah. suddenly felt kind of
1: it was it was it was, it was um, better to it was more. It was more descriptive than the intentionally ironic statement that yeah. the first title had become. Yes. And then, of course, we, we had to go and completely mess that up by changing everything and doing something well, else. Well, yeah,
0: yeah, that's true, obviously, yes. And it's not even a book at the moment. It's a collection yeah. of pages. Um, well, no,
1: it's called This Is Not A Book, because it isn't. Is it called This Is Not A Book? Well, that's what I put on the website. Really? Yeah, didn't notice. No. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. I changed that deliberately when I made it into website, uh, into the website. Right. So. Well, then that's fine because which going be confusing because you know we're going to make the book version that's called This Is Book so for Now, now and, and the, the website, website version is This Is Not is a not book. book. Yeah,
0: that's, that's not confusing at all. It's perfectly sensible. If anyone if anyone is confused by that, they can email and tell us. Um, yeah, I think that makes absolute abundant sense. Um, to you and me, and hopefully to anybody reading and listening. Um, well, it's
1: it, uh, one thing that you talked about earlier is that the um, um, the discussion of the, the you know one future of, of many. Mm. Uh, I mean, there are sort of basically two things. Uh, we're, we're discussing um, the description in the book that we we're describing the present of yeah. a field, mm. as in this is the way things are now. Um, but the other thing I wanted to point out is that, um, which I think. Uh, a, Pretty sure I pointed this out somewhere on the on the book uh, in the in the book in writing text you mm. know thing that thing with words um, is uh, I sort of you can't disrupt a medium or an art form. You can disrupt the companies that produce media or art, sure but the medium or the art form is is a community. It's uh, it, it, it's it, it's an abstract thing that can't be disrupted in, in business terms. Um, you know, it's uh, it, 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 you know the companies may go away. Like most of the early radio companies disappeared once um, film and TV uh, pushed them out, but radio's still a huge thing. It's just yeah. changed. The medium changes and adapts. The companies may go and get disrupted, but the medium uh, medium is like an organic thing. So what you're saying, I suppose,
0: is because <clears throat> I mean, you're much more familiar with this term than I am um, because you've
1: got the It's to- a bullshit econ- um, economy term. Um, That's, it's, it just happens to be useful um, in certain contexts, in certain discussions.
0: I mean, actually because you've got the patience to read the books, which I have not read those books. Um, and, Clayton son and I guess, so is is what you're saying is that, because, yes, disruption as a term gets bandied around an awful lot, and it's yeah. become another one of those kind of things that you'll talk about at conferences, and they pay 300 quid to go and get, hear people explain what disruption is going to mean.
1: 300 quid, if you're
0: lucky. If you're lucky, yes, there's a, we were in the wrong business, <laughs> stupidly, this, whenever this podcast goes on the road, and we start having conferences, we're going to charge you 400 quid um, oh easy yeah or two no, 500. 200 500 200 quid if you can prove that you listened to the first one um, <laughs> anyway um, so but the disruption is something that happens to business not that happens to a medium
1: yeah I mean disruption especially in terms of um, it's it's described um, but, but the way um, that Clayton describes it is describes it as as entirely an economic phenomenon yeah mm-hmm. uh, he, he almost describes it basically as a management phenomenon um, yeah. so it's kind of because a medium isn't something that's—it's uh, not an organization. Mm-hmm. It's not—it's not even an economy. It's a—it's—it's—you a, it, know—it's generated. It—it's created as a part of an economy, but it isn't an economy in and of itself. So yeah. I don't think the term is actually applicable to the medium. But I'm—I'm no, I'm pretty sure that um, people would disagree with me. But probably especially economists who think that everything is basically defined in terms of business. Yeah. No, but.
0: I'd want to just on that for a moment because I think one of the things that gets lost in all of that, um, and not all of your rant, um, but yeah. all of the kind of the way that disruption gets applied, is that people talk about disrupting the book or disrupting reading or disrupting the reader's experience or something. And actually, what we are, if we are talking about that, you, you're not going to change the book. You're not going to change what books do. You're not going to change the way there's... And actually, any attempt to do that is kind of... I won't say fundamentally flawed or broken or whatever else, but the, there's, a, there's something that I wrote... Um, Future book asked for a manifesto in 500 words for the future of the book, which was great, brilliant, marvellous. Okay, that's not what I want to write, but I wrote this thing, Um, and I think you picked on one thing I said. I'm going to try and find it now because I have a laptop in front of me. Mm. Um, Okay, Um, here we are. Yeah, so um, this is about the third paragraph when I stopped rhyming. Um, I I tried to do a Kate Tempest thing. Um, Okay, digital is old. Digital is new and it is old. It remakes and remediates. It is new content and it can be old content, but it's capable of things that print cannot do, and it cannot do what print can. And then the next thing I wrote was "Get it through your heads." It can't do what print can. That's what print is for. And that, for me, kind of not—I that I'd say that sums up something or sums up a kind of problem. But one of my little moments of, of constant frustration and constant annoyance is not the ebook as a thing. The ebook as a thing is an amazingly useful thing, and it's a—it's mm. a, a, a wonderful. But the idea that that's the answer—that that somehow is good enough—that that's actually what we've got—and then suddenly—and I know you've spent an awful lot of time swearing at people Um, in terms of of, yeah but in terms of standards in terms of production standards and and, and what's possible and what's not possible and for me it does come more down to it is a book under glass it is as John Clute observed to me Mm. two or three years ago it's a parody of a book it's a it's a thing that if you have a Kindle, um, people talk a lot about you know Kindles, and there's a joke about you know the Kindle is heavier when you put more books on it. If you take more books off it, your Kindle is somehow lighter. Which I think I think it's kind of quaint. <laughs> that's a lovely thing. Um, but however, one thing you, you can do a test at home for this. If whatever time you go to bed, um, just make a thing where you come downstairs at three in the morning, and and go into your study or into your room wherever your Kindle is, and and just don't turn the lights on and listen really carefully. And what you'll hear is the sound of your Kindle crying itself to sleep every night, <laughs> because it wants to be all the content. On it wants to be real books. It's been hived. This is my thing about it. it's been hived off from the production process yeah. of making a book. That you know, you know this more than I do, but um, and every listener who does know this that, that in terms of the the production process for ninety percent, ninety nine percent of of, of e text, then at some point an InDesign file is is truncated away from the production oh. process. I just feel
1: pain. Yeah, a, absolutely. At the mere mention of the word InDesign.
0: Yeah, or whatever file format, and let's not... It's suggest, always going to be... In de- it's, it's always in, in design. It's always in design or it's a Word document, God help us, um, or it's Scriven Words on... Word's
1: actually a lot easier. Really? Oh, yeah. Massively really? easier. God, no one's ever
0: going to say that, and please, someone just underline and record that. <laughs> word, is, word is a lot easier. That's just a sentence I never heard of. But it's the... The book carries on, I mean, you're going to hear tapping, the book carries on, da, 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 and at some point the, the print edition is going to get made, the print edition is going to be a lovely thing, one hopes, and at some point then, at the same moment, the, the, the E edition gets kind of hived off, and yeah. the E edition is, is that same thing, it's exactly the same thing. But it has bells and it apparently has bells and whistles, it has things in it, it has things it can do. But basically it's a copy under glass. It's a copy of the thing mm. that you can't you can very crudely mark up. You can very crudely and yes, there are things you can do in terms of sharing sharing annotation, sharing bookmarks and, and the social aspect of it. But fundamentally, for me, there is there is something incredibly special about sharing Okay, this is gonna sound a bit romantic and a bit weird, but sharing a book with another living person. Mm. Um, And I've been doing this, and this this is not a response to Abrams and Dorst's S, um, of which more at another point. Um, But the idea that you annotating books, it's something I never used to do. I never used to annotate in books. I'm used to writing books. I I found that for my PhD, there are still books in the study here and and at work that have got post-it notes stuck in them. And I wrote wrote on the post-it notes. I didn't want to write in the book itself. Yeah, same here. And I kind of found that whole thing a little bit weird. And I've just started doing it because there's a piece of work I'm making at the moment that that is drawing from, in a weird way, a set of short stories by an Argentinian writer who is not Borges. Um, <laughs> just because I thought we'd look at someone different now. But that is that book is being passed back between two people and being written on and underlined and little notes made on it. And I find that that yeah. that kind of idea that you're you're sharing something with a living person really interesting. And you're seeing their marks. I, I, I'm less... I'm, there would be something interesting about seeing everybody else's comments on the same text, but I'm not. Yeah. I want to see what they write. Yeah. I'm not interested in necessarily what everybody else writes. I want that kind of shared thing.
1: Well, it's would this going to sound a like a book. Yeah, this is going to sound a little bit like a meander, but bear with me. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the um, there is a long-standing idea of the book as a an artifact that's a signifier for a larger thing. Yeah. Um, as in a signifier for a topic or a social discussion of a topic. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, uh, there's a um, uh, an article by Ivan Illich, the sort of radical educationist, mm-hmm. where he described in, uh, I think about 1980 or 81, mm-hmm. he described the idea of installing Apple IIs in local libraries everywhere that people could go on them and write down, basically, I want to talk about this book. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there'd be a list of books and you could look at the list of books and click, okay, here's a group of people who want to li- uh, uh, talk about that book and here's where they're, where they're meeting. And the way that you basically organize it is that you'd show up in a coffee house or in the library and basically demonstrate the book and that was sort of your entry. Mm-hmm. And the idea there is is that it's... And well, the point that he was making with it, uh, with this is that it's almost impossible to get people to talk about abstract con- uh, concepts. You can't get people to talk about socialism. Mm-hmm. You, it, what you can do is you can get them to talk about Das Kapital. Or, you know, or Trotsky's writing, or yeah. you can get them to talk about 1984 or Animal Farm. Books are like a, a physical representation of abstract com- uh, uh, concepts in, in physical form. Um, and in the same, same way, that um, the, the misunderstanding that modern educa- education has on the role of textbooks is that if you look at how universities have used textbooks throughout the years mm. until about you know 30 40 years ago they didn't use textbooks as you know uh, receptacles that poured information from the textbook into your head yeah. mm-hmm. they used them as signifiers for discourse yeah. they said you know <clears throat> they, they, they 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 you know here's Arthur Quiller coach's uh, uh, Ker, uh, um, um you know textbook on writing mm-hmm. and it wasn't that you know his Words were a the, were the, were the word of God on how to write. They mm-hmm. were always set there as a topic for discussion. And yeah. the way you'd learn was basically the group would discuss it. And um, the question, uh, question of, in, uh, of that we have now is that that role has split off into two. You can talk about the book and use the book as a representation for a topic, in a completely abstract way, without the artifact, yeah, but you can also still use the artifact as sort of a coordination for physical interaction and markup and and and, and becoming a, a unique um like a physical manifestation of the interactions of a group yeah and those two things are kind of diverse it's like we don't we don't talk about books um um you know in, or in, in sort of in we don't uh, in person we don't talk mm. about books in person anymore we talk about them online I mean, it's sort of almost no, almost no it's um, you yeah, uh, know uh, very few people do book clubs anymore I think um, you know, compared to um, <clears throat> what they did before I mean I most people go on Goodreads
0: they do and I think I think the, the, the danger in what you've just described I, I'm with you when I, I was with you on everything I was kind of nodding away and right until the point where you said people don't use book clubs and I think actually they do they do an awful lot more <laughs> Yeah, There's yeah. an awful lot more book clubbery, book clubbing, yeah. um, which is now a word apparently in my head, um, than necessarily was present twenty years ago, thirty years ago, forty okay. years ago. I think that, that that it's a huge thing. That's and, cool, and, actually. And it's weirdly one of the things that I've noticed in the last two or three years. I mean, yeah, the the Oprah book club, the Oprah kind discussion uh, yeah, of books yeah, yeah, yeah. began, and if you if your book and, and Zuckerberg. Yeah, but well, yeah, Zuckerberg in the last two or three months. Um, Radio 2 have been doing something. Oh, cool. Um, I mean, this is Simon Mayo's second reference, reference in this podcast, but they may use to do something on Radio 5 where they would they would bring an author in and talk about a book, um, and then when we went to Radio 2 they started doing the same thing. And it's a in a weird way you know post Richard and Judy post Oprah it's one of the things I've noticed in terms of conversations with publishing and publishers it's a real way to get your book visible and get it talked about and I think maybe that book club notion I think there are still book clubs I think yes possibly book clubs as, as a thing that you do where basically you just end up getting pissed on white wine um has possibly fallen by the wayside. I think mean, there there's as much discussion about a book, but it's a discussion that's being curated God, curated, sorry. Um, curated in a way by another organisation, by somebody who is interested in literature or interested in publishing or interested in something. Yeah, or um, interested in
1: selling stuff.
0: Absolutely interested in selling stuff. Yes, yeah, so I think that still goes on. Um, and I guess just picking up on what you said, what's what suddenly strikes me as interesting is, and it's back to that kind of confluence of the academic purpose and the academic abstraction of a book, is that at the end of that, you still had a book that had been written in. You had a book that you... you your experience of that book was a layered, a pattern of usage, a set of things about mm-hmm. that that marked your involvement and that they were... Whether they were dog pages, whether they were folding things back, whether they were mm-hmm. notes in the margins. And yeah, I've got... Secondhand textbooks God bless A books that are like that and they're fascinating they're brilliant mm-hmm. and I think maybe one thing that because I started this ranting about or doing the John Clute thing about book, e-books being a parody of a book and you can hear your Kindle cry itself asleep every night is that that's just something you can turn on and turn off yeah and you can still there is there is apparently so people in marketing tell us there is something um intoxicating about having you know the fresh virgin copy of your digital (laughs) file because and you can turn off all this kind of extra clutter and i like the extra clutter i like if if that's what that book is there to do i kind of want to see the extra clutter i don't want because that's part of my experience of the thing that's part of my it's part of my relationship to the book as a physical phenomenon as a thing that i have i mean this is a different kind of topic of conversation but there's i think it's i think it's umberto echo um Remarked or someone remarks about Echo um, that libraries are an act of vanity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A personal library is an act of vanity. And yes. there's a story told about Echo that a student comes to him, I'm going to do a very bad Italian accent now, um, and says, Oh, Professor all day, um, the all these books on your shelves, um, you know, you've read, the, you've read all these books. And, and, and Echo looks at him and goes, No. And the student looks a bit downcast mm-hmm. because he expects Echo to have, you know, Echo has to be an erudite person. Echo is Echo, Definitely erudite. But you've read everything. The whole, thing, the whole thing to be there. And he goes, no, no. These are the books I want to read. Yeah. These are the books. I'm... And it's there's something about putting a marker down and saying, and it is about vanity, but it is also about the physicality of the thing that I think gets lost in the discussion of digital as an ebook. That there's something really important about the thing you have in your hand. And yeah. the thing you have a relationship to that object. And that object then having a history. I have no history with any of the... That's not true. I have some history some of the e text stuff on my iPad. I know when I bought I know who recommended them to me. Um, but I don't have the same history with we 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 could walk into the study, you know, twenty feet from here and I could tell you the story of why I bought almost every single book in there. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them are recommendations. Some of the things that like there was a conversation with somebody and they said, you not have you read this and I realized, no, I haven't, and then went and bought a copy. And yeah. it may not have been read and it may be read in two years' time or on a plane. But there is something about though that well, it's, it's, the heft of the physicality and the thinness of it. I mean
1: it's it's one of those things that um this actually um you know I'm gonna this is a well researched phenomenon in that we our memory is based on physicality. Mm-hmm. Um, we um it's it, 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 that's part of the reason why we um, we actually remember things a lot a lot better that we read in in, um, in a physical book than we do a, a do, a do an e-books okay because we uh, we automatically map um, things onto objects yeah mm-hmm. so that's the reason why when you've read a book and you're trying to remember where you read something you can actually sort of guess relatively where in the book just by yeah. you know it was this far in it was, this far in, it was half something um, this far in, but you can't was do it. that with an ebook because the the, the it lacks the physicality for yep, you for to attach those me- uh, memories to. your
0: abstraction is a completely it, it's a it's a percentage pages abstraction it's, yeah. it's an abstraction that has no reference in physical form hmm. yeah
1: and so one of the one of the yeah. things that i've been the most disappointed with ebooks is the fact that they don't realize that you cannot make up for that lack of physicality by mm. replicating pseudo physicality uh, using images and, and crap yeah. you need to do that using uniquely digital features and user interface features that help you remember that help you navigate that help you yeah. organize your reading and none of them do that even no. the best of them uh, even the best of them don't even come close to yeah. using best practices from uh, from user interface design
0: well, um, and this this is my, my one of my other this is this podcast is going to become a series of things that annoy tom um, <laughs>
1: But well, at least it's not the series of things that annoy me. Well, that's because true. that was a huge risk. That's I mean. was a huge <laughs> risk. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll,
0: I'm going to lead on the things that annoy me. One of, one of the, the is this notion of remediation, mm-hmm. um, which Bolter and Grusin, God bless them, wrote a book in I want to say 96. Um, I think it was 1996 or 2006. I'm just wrong. Um, that set out remediation as a way of thinking about digital media. Yeah, um, and they, their book does a much better job than I can ever do describing it, but. Remediation for me comes from a kind of um, a McLuhan McLuhanite kind of notion that every the content of every medium is another medium. Yeah, that and that's a whole other topic of conversation. But essentially, what what we've got, what we had with early digital systems was a sense of re. Of remediating, of, of 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 not even transforming, but kind of reappropriating the ways in which we engage with moving image, with text, with a whole set of things, and packaging them all, packaging them all together in this thing that was these these boxes that were advertised as the medium that will eat every other medium, and they absolutely did. They, they 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 remediated everything, but it seems that that, and this is maybe my my take on what you just said. That kind of notion that we've the ebooks and ebooks as a, as a as a cultural technological phenomenon have kind of ignored an awful lot. just misread maybe not ignored even misread a whole lot of cues from the book and cues from the way we read is is they're remediating what books do they're not trying to do what they should be doing and this comes back to my thinking they can't do what print can yeah because that's impossible and that's what print does and they should be trying to find out what can they do that is what can they offer a reading experience, a, a reader, a set of readers, whatever that thing might be, that is kind of unique, a set of unique affordances to a digital experience, or a digital reading experience, rather than? And I'm, I have no problem with the ebook market; it's fine, you know, despite what I occasionally say. Um, <laughs> but rather, it's say, me who has the problem with the e-book market. But I'm not saying time. it's that this is good enough. That for me is that the, there is a sense of which this what we've got is good enough, and what we've got is what we have, and it's there. And now we have to make the best of it. And for me, it is constantly about no, this is not good enough. This can be better. Yeah. We, can, we can rethink the whole thing from the ground up if we if we had the guts to.
1: Mm. I mean, my I've actually I've actually changed my opinion on on this subject. Um, I don't know whether it's recently, but you know, it's um, you know uh, not too far off in the distant in the, the distant past. In that, I actually don't think that the the mistaken direction of ebooks, books which, you know, the, the fact that we've we uh, the ebook market spent years just re-implementing PDFs from scratch yeah. using something else, just is a it's a symptom of how how completely warped it is. Um, but I actually come to the conclusion that that none of that matters. Hmm. It's completely unimportant because. What happens is that something else will just come to take its place, um, whether it's websites or some sort of app thing or something, uh, if, there is a, if there is a demand for mm. um, text orient, uh, a text oriented uh, medium for mm. uh, to address a specific problem or a specific need, it will be fulfilled eventually mm. by something and if ebooks are going to focus more on replicating the affordances of print mm. instead of focusing on the needs of the of the readers something else will come uh, uh, come and address those needs yeah. and uh, my bet is going to be either you know a um, bunch of websites or an app i mean um, like nobody nobody uh, nobody in publishing has tried uh, tried to um, address the needs of teenagers in terms of fan fiction, so Wattpad mm. came and filled that. Yeah, um, and I think that is that sort of process is probably going to repeat itself uh, over the next ten years, mm. one by one. Um, we're just going to see, uh, you know, one by one, the big sectors of print publishing be taken over by something in digital that just isn't ebooks. Mm. because ebooks are too focused on replicating print. Yes. So uh, my opinion is that in the long run, it doesn't really matter. I mean, ebooks are really, really good for novels. Um, and, um, um, you know, from my, from my perspective, if in 10 years' time, ebooks are still just mainly used for narrative prose with few illustrations, I'm fine with that, as long as the needs of the readers are being addressed somehow, somewhere by something else. So, but then we've gone quite a far way off topic in that what the hell are we going to call this thing?
0: True, we have. And there's one thing before we kind of get back on that. Um, oh. And we steer the runaway train um, <laughs> bus that can't go above 40 miles an hour, which is a film reference I'm yeah. putting in now.
1: R- rail replacement bus. R-
0: hey. <laughs> let's not mention that. They're horrible things. they just, there's, a, there's an entire metaphor that we could run with about yeah. what's digital in rail replacement bus. Um, Richard House is the Kills. Um, What's that? So, I think this is two years old, maybe three years old. Um, big, hefty novel. There's a yeah. I'm sorry, I'm showing you a phone. There we go. Um, it was shortlisted for the Booker. Ooh, my, it's a it's a very clever thing. It's a very nicely written thing. That sounds like I'm damning with faint praise at the very start. It's not. It's a, it's a really he's a it's a fine fine thing. But my. My kind of root problem with it, my root problem with the form and the structure and the way it was being written and the way it was kind of being composed is it felt like, if we go back to my kind of little metaphor of a <clears throat> of a book kind of running along and at some point the digital edition is hived off, it felt like okay, we now have got this digital edition that's hived off, what else can we put into that to tell oh, the story? Yeah. And it absolutely did things with telling the story. It completely, yes, it was a really clever piece of enhanced storytelling of the way he was using photography and using short pieces of Video to to get something across to to impart some sense of of place or texture or character and I yeah I, I but at the heart of it it was saying okay we're starting with this thing that is a that is a copy of the print edition I and mean, we going to something with it and no matter how much I liked that book and no matter how much, how well it got reviewed my my disquiet was actually you're starting from the wrong point but E M P is Arcadia which Faber is putting out as a as an as an app edition and as a print edition. And apparently, you know, we're now, this is the end of August um, when we're recording this, that the print edition should, has been available in some circles, if you know the right people, for a month or so. The digital okay. edition, no idea. But from what I know about Pierre's writing, that um, he is somebody who has actually gone back to first principles and said, okay, how do I tell a story? And how do I construct something that tells a story? Yeah. And from what I gather, he's working with Touch Press, which who, who do terrific things. So maybe there's something in that that we... By the time you listen to this that there is something that has appeared that does actually start to articulate that in if not a mass market edition is something that and this for me is one of the other things. So it will get reviewed in The Guardian, that will be in London Review of Books, that yeah. there will be essays written about it. And maybe the essays will be written about the response to it. They'll be written about how do you classify this thing. And they won't appear for three or four months after mm-hmm. the thing's published. But at least there is a sense that they will exist. They will be a thing that is there. Um, and that we can argue and we can articulate and we can kind of find a way around.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's sort of the the risk that you always run with... um... It's kind of the uh, if people talk about it when it comes out, it's probably going to not going to mean a thing in terms of the field or, or changing yeah. things. If people ignore it when it comes out and it starts building up a discussion, sort of as more and more people discover it, mm. then you've probably got something that's doing something interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um. So it's sort of like um, I'd say uh, like they say with with startups is that the the startup that has the biggest most bangiest launch mm. is probably the one that's going to sink like a stone, I and mean, the the startups that build up and then start skyrocketing later on—they're the ones that you want to look out for. Yeah, uh, mainly because it's sort of uh, it's it comes back to one of the things that sort of we uh, we referred to several times in uh, in the um, uh, in the book like object thing that we've got uh, got uh, you know mm. we've been writing. Uh, about iteration, and I'm 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 always skeptical about somebody who, because the idea of throwing out a completed work into and, and releasing it, publishing it into, into uh, and then it being discussed afterwards mm. is is it's an echo of the print way of doing things. Mm. Uh, it it works sometimes. I mean, it, you know, for a lot of, a lot of projects, you just can't do it other way. But it's always always has a bit of the risk of, you know, it's a huge gamble. That's what Mm. I'm saying. That if you if you like sitting down and working on a thing for three uh, three or four years, then and just having one single artifact to throw out into the world, it's a huge gamble. You you just you you just you gambling gambling three or four years of work on a single event. This this I
0: think I mean this 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 is a much longer topic of conversation. This is why. One of the things that's happened in digital and in digital's response to publishing, and a Mike Bashkar, formerly profiled now, Canela, has done a huge amount of work looking at this and kind of tracking it, is adaptations of existing works yeah. of, of, of of taking an existing piece of work and saying, what can we, how can we deal with that? How can we make that? Um, I don't want to say how can we digital it because that's <laughs> we, we we address this. Um, the very, very brilliant Claire Reddington addresses this, um, and she addresses it in a talk. We said if, if someone asks you to digital anything, then walk out of the room. Yeah. Get paid but walk out of the room. Um I think that's what she said. Um she'll soon tell me. But I think it's it's easier to take something like Frankenstein or something like Around the World in Eighty Days yeah. to name two things that have been done very, very, very well. And I'm not in any way kind of, you know, denigrating or casting score on this they done but to take something that exists in the mind of a reader already. Mm. In the mind of a publisher, the mind of a reader, and a marketing department, and say, okay, we can make a digital edition of this. We can make something that feels like that. And that, for me, is one of the, is, is the huge risk that Faber are taking with Arcadia. If it works in any way, shape, or form, is to take something that doesn't have that legacy, doesn't have that kind of sense of knowingness about it, and do something with it. Yeah, and it's it's the reason that at the moment we're are making um, small pieces. Yeah, and we've just very painfully had to say no to somebody who wrote an astonishing really brilliant really clever piece of spy fiction and to go back to first principles because it's too big. Yeah. It we it's like it's trying to make this work as a novella, cuz it's not a novel, it's not that mm. big, but but actually without knowing that the short story equivalent works without knowing that the moment works and that the that you're not simply dealing with novelty. Because that's the other problem with this, with this whole field, is that there is a sense of novelty about it. There is a sense of newness that actually gets people very excited. And and touch press and favours The Wasteland um, is novelty for me. It's 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 a novelty in the way it's presented. It's a very, very clever thing. It's a very smart piece of marketing and a smart piece of assembly. But it's but it kind of comes and goes for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe maybe I'm not maybe I'm not an A level student or a GCC student studying the Way who would find that idea that you've got kind of the Cliff's notes alongside Ezra Parents' annotations, alongside iterations of the original text, alongside readings useful. I find it novel. I find yeah. it interesting. I find it go I look at it and I go, wow, and I show students it and they go, Wow. But it's not a thing that has for me it's not something that kind of argues anything because it's not trying to do something new. It's just trying to kind of repackage a whole set of things. And it does it really successfully, but it's not striking out. It's not this... Sorry, to come back to where we were, um, seems like days ago now. It's not <laughs> the avant-garde. It's not actually something that feels like it's, it's carving out territory almost for the sake of carving it out, of trying to figure out something that we didn't know before.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, uh, sort of harkening back for, uh, to the wasteland uh, example you used, um, novelty is meaningful in and of itself. Yeah. but it's not sustainable. You can't use that as a tactic for your digital media no. um, uh, projects long term because you're going to no. run out. It's, yeah. it's a non-renewable resource. You're going to mm. run out of new things for that specific medium. Yeah. So you need to discover what structures, what methods and what uh, tactics work mm. for that medium in and of themselves. And that takes exploration. That takes starting from small bits and building out because you can't rely on novelty in the long term. And, Frankly, in uh, we're in what two thousand fifteen, and uh, digital media. If you if you date it back to the first Mac, mm. like, we're talking about thirty years. Um, we are running out of novelty. I mean, it, a lot mm. of the things that that have gained. Uh, word of mouth within the publishing s- uh, sphere has only get, get, uh, has only been able to do that because it was novel to people in publishing who are completely ignorant about the history of interactive media. It's only novel to them. Yeah. And, um, you know, when even they're going to see that this thing is novel, that's going to run out. You're going to need to figure out something new. And the second thing that I, want to, uh, I sort of want to highlight in terms of The mm. Wasteland was that, um you know, I've, I have a very specific philosophy of education, mm-hmm. and that is and you know it is it 's radical now. it used to be mainstream hundred hundred years ago mm-hmm. i mean it's sort of i 'm um, um, of the same opinion of um, john dewey when he in democracy and education the he when he wrote about the, idea, the reason why we're doing public education is because we want to create better citizens. That the, that's a contract between society that's paying for education yeah. and the students yes. who are getting the free education is that yeah. we're doing this so that you're better at being citizens yeah. for society. And um, the core part of that is, that is that learning is a process of discussion. It's a discussion with the other students, a discussion with the teacher. And it, it's the best iterate, illustration of this tactic for education has been... Uh, a series of experiment that uh, that Bob Stein has been doing uh, where he created um, basically book like spaces online mm-hmm. where a class could discuss a a read together a text and discuss it with the church the smarter kids could explain to the other slightly slower kids and they, uh, what what things meant the people who got one one bit Um, uh, could explain it to those who didn't Mm. and the teacher was there as a a mediator as a control for the discussion but the book was um, brought into the digital space as a location for discussion as a location for debate Mm -hmm. and uh, education and The Wasteland completely ignores that. It is it it is a lecture object it is yeah. basically telling you this is the way things are this is what the what the poem means mm. these are the evidence for what for that meaning, these, meaning. Are the, these are the
0: important things that you need to understand in order to get this but there's, yeah. no, there's no dialogue in it. yeah you're right no, no and,
1: and uh, as far, uh, as far as I'm concerned that isn't an educational object that isn't um useful to students to, to students it's useful to teachers because they yeah. can basically just push responsibility for teaching onto, an, onto a device but it's not useful to students um, it's it's really nice um, for readers who like uh, evidence of history yeah um, and mm-hmm. um, that so I'm not saying that it isn't valuable it is mm-hmm. it's just not valuable in the same way people think it is um, and you know it's like um, um, I, I just really can't believe that the publishing industry hasn't snapped up Bob Stein years ago to get, uh, put, uh, put him in charge of some major project department it's like yeah I, yeah, I can never I understand No, that. I'm,
0: I'm completely Bob. Um, I mean, in a way, for anybody who doesn't know Bob Stein, Bob, Bob has been working at this for longer than you and I have been out of mm. secondary
1: education. He's um, been working on this so long, and he's uh, such a pioneer, you wouldn't have DVDs with extras if he hadn't basically invented them before the DVD existed. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and in a way, what one of the things that kind of marked Bob's card is Voyager. It's yeah. kind of a... which.
1: And the Criterion Collection,
0: and the Criterion Collection, and thing, and, and a, but also a kind of a set of assumptions around the failure of that, or the failure of voice, mm. the failure of kind of, um, darling Kindersley, kind of investment in digital into CD ROMs in the early nineties. That actually, it's not down to Bob. It's down to yeah. It's down to a bubble, and it's down to a whole set of things. you know, you, you know you're fundamentally what you, what we what we have there is a really. An absolute genius, an absolute pioneer who is underemployed.
1: Yeah, which and, is just like underappreciated.
0: Yeah, which is no, it is. It's completely criminal. And if anyone has a budget, just ring Bob Stein up and get him to work on something because you will get something you didn't know you wanted. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway,
1: well, what we're going to call this thing?
0: What we're going to call this thing? Um, I'm not sure we're actually any closer. Um, uh, we could call it "This Is Not the Future of the Book."
1: Oh, I actually like that. Which is kind of.
0: I could have said that. 45 minutes ago. Um, yeah, but you're keeping that back because, because you're showing off. No, I didn't. No, <laughs> no, it just didn't occur to me. Um, there's, oh, there's a really wonderful thing and I I don't have it to hand because it's in the office at work um, that's called Print is Not... And it's called Print is Not Dead or The Book is Not Dead but it's a book written from the point of view that the internet has been around forever and that print is a new thing coming along. Oh, okay. Um and it completely turns that whole argument on its head. And it, it presents it through work. It presents still a set of arguments and a set of work and a set of things around that. But it, um, maybe this is, a diff- this is definitely a topic for a different conversation, a different time. But that notion that a lot of what we do is we talk about digital as being new. And we talk about digital as being a phenomenon and novelty and something we've just done. But actually what we're talking about is are things that go back to principles of play, principles of experience, principles of what we do as human beings in relation to stories, narrative, literature, however you want to kind of cast that. And they're not new at all. They are, Mm. they have been around for a long, 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 long time, Um, which doesn't give me an answer to your question. What do we call this? Um,
1: Well, I think... Preliminary title. This is not the future of the book.
0: I think this is not... Let's just say this is not the future of the book and let's call it that for the moment um, and see where we go. And if we change it in three weeks' time and people get confused and iTunes banners, then that's fine.
1: (laughs) Fair enough.